today as we think about what it means to live in this time, we go to Psalm 86 for our text for today as a declaration and a prayer. Teach me your way, Lord, that I may rely on your faithfulness. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. I will praise you, Lord my God, with all my heart. I will glorify your name forever, for great is your love towards me. You have delivered me from the depths, from the realm of the dead. Psalm 86. Throughout this series, we have been sharing stories of shame. Although this is not my own personal story, I want to thank the person who had the courage to share it with us this morning. When I think back on my life, there are a few memories that make me kick myself every time I think about them. Times that I acted on assumptions, let my temper get away from me, or just plainly made a really bad decision. I know that these memories steam because they are shame. At a conference, I bumped into an old flame. We had worked together a few years back and then went our separate ways in both the professional and romantic sense. My fleeing had moved on to another relationship very quickly after, which hurt. I mean, it wasn't like they were super serious, but nobody likes to feel like they are easy to get over. What made it worse was that it was with a mutual coworker that I could not stand even before the drama started. So when I ran into my old flame and heard the jerk was not only still around, but that they were really serious, all the bitterness and anger came back. I, don't really like, I didn't really like the jerk, and I still felt some hurt and shame, so I made a really bad call. I consciously set out to throw a wrench into the relationship by trying to get my crush to slip up. I wanted to hurt them both, and it wasn't until we were literally inches away from a kiss that I realized that I had become the jerk. I apologized to them both, the coworker over the phone, and left the conference feeling gross. They are happily married now, and every time I see a picture of them, I get that gross feeling all over again. Morning. Um, so the first thing I'm going to encourage you to do is, since you're at home, I encourage you to go grab a physical Bible to follow along with today. Um, or if you really like your phone, you can still use your phone. But maybe try something new and grab uh, a physical Bible. And I encourage you to grab notes. Um, I don't say that because I think that Amy has amazing words that you need to write down. But I found that as I bring out my notebook and I have a pen ready when I'm listening to something, to uh, a teaching, it's saying, Lord, I'm expectant that you have something to say to me. And that might not even be anything that comes out of my mouth, but as you have it in front of you, he may speak to you, something that he wants you to mull later. So that's just my little plug. I can't tell if you're doing it or not. So you can do whatever you'd like with it. Um, I'm just going to pray for us really quick first here. Uh, Jesus, thank you. Oh, thank you that you bring me peace as you speak, Lord. I ask that you would be, I thank you, Lord, not ask. I thank you that you are present in each of the living rooms, each of the kitchens, each of the bedrooms. And I thank you, Lord, that you will be speaking truth. Jesus' name, amen. So we get to talk about shame um, this morning, and so thankful for Hillary last week, for those of you that were able to listen to her and what she shared, and she talked about how to battle shame. 
right? Using our tools. She talked about the sword, our, our sword of truth, the words of the Lord, the Bible scriptures that we get to use. Talked about truth, knowing who I am and speaking it over myself and going to my peeps, right? Going to my people that need to remind me of my truth, right? To pray for me, to not get in a habit. She talked about Hebrews 10 of don't get in a habit of not meeting with each other. Even now, right, we need to honor social distancing. That's important. But we have technology, and I'm so thankful for the opportunities that I've had to talk to people this week and ask real questions. I, may, I have physically seen many less people, right? But I've actually talked to and seen the heart of many more because it's now time that when I'm getting together, I'm asking real questions. How are you? How are you doing? How is your family? And I'm listening and I'm speaking. So I'm so thankful. And like many of you, this last week got hard though. Things changed. My job became irrelevant. And even though my, my work is willing to work with me and relocate me and figure that out, I had to wrestle with, who am I then? If I'm not someone who can effectively put on great events, if I'm not someone who can manage all of these students, if I'm not someone who can speak these life things, who am I? Do I still carry worth? And what if I can't do this new job? What if I fail? What then? What if when they start seeing my skill set, when they're closer in tune of my skill set because they need to train me, they see that I'm a phony? And that seems so silly when I speak it out loud, right? But this is what I wrestled with this week. And I had to use my tools and say, Lord, who do you say I am? Where, where is my actual identity in if I can't find it in my labels that I used to be able to find it in? So I'm excited to talk. My part in shame today is, is when Rob brought me in and we started processing what shame series would look like. What do we want to bring up? My heart was that not healing for healing's sake alone, but to move forward, to be effective, to walk in purpose and worth. I think often I can talk myself out of things that I'm carrying because I'm like, well, it's just hurting me. But when I heal, the Lord heals me because he loves me and I am more effective because of it. If I have a place and a goal I want to go, then I have a purpose and a reason to heal. So that's what I want to talk about this morning is I'm going to be talking about being a giraffe. That's where my little giraffe is up here for, rather than a tortoise. So a tortoise can only see what's right in front of him, right? He can only see he's looking for food and water, and his neck, although it stretches far, he can't see very far. It's right in front of him. That's how he's making his decisions, what he can smell, what he can see. A giraffe, on the other hand, has a long neck, right? He can see for miles. He can see the food or the watering hole that he wants to go to. He can see the destination and make choices to get there. So now that everybody's homebound and Frozen 2 is on uh, Disney+, Plus, I'm sure almost everyone has seen it. And if you have kids in your home like mine, you also know all the lyrics already. <laughs> so even when it's not on, it's being played. And so the main theme in Frozen 2, 
and one of, one of the main themes I would say in one of the songs is do the next right thing. And I wrestled with that when I first heard it back in November or whatever when the uh, movie came out of what do I think about that theme of do the next right thing. And there's things that I like about it. I like that it's talking about not getting stuck, right? I don't have to stay here. I don't have to know everything before I move forward. I'm going to keep moving forward and keep continuing to do the next right thing and not get stuck. So I like that. But I was thinking about if you don't know where you're going, though, doing the next right thing, the next right thing, the next right thing, you're all of a sudden could be way off in left field. If you're only looking like the tortoise can right in front of you, to make that choice. Well, then I'm going to choose this because these steps in front of me make it seem like this is the next right thing. Whereas a giraffe, if I can see where I want to go, there actually is probably still many paths to get there. There's many obstacles that I may have to get around as I get to an obstacle. But I see still where I want to go, thus I can make a wise choice of doing the next right thing. So I don't stop. I do do the next right thing. But I need to be able to see where I'm going to even know what the next right thing should be. So we're going to be in Isaiah 49 this morning. Really great chapter. I encourage you, maybe with your extra time this week, to dig in. I'm going to just be piecing out and pulling out some verses from that chapter. But we're going to be in Isaiah 49. So verse 1 says, Before... I was born from the womb, the Lord called me. At my birth, he made mention of my name. So if you're like me, uh, you may be skeptical when you hear this, thinking that's great for Isaiah. That may even be great for other people, right? But we can't take this out of context. The church has made things very self-centered. So when I read this, I say, I can't take that from me. That is for Isaiah, not for me. But it was not just for Isaiah. When you start reading through scripture, you actually see this language multiple times through scripture. You hear it from Jeremiah in Jeremiah 1.15. You also see it from Paul in Galatians 1.15. This idea that before I was born, the Lord called me. At my birth, he made mention of my name. He said, Amy. The Lord delights in you, his child. And he has placed his honor and purpose in you. 1 Samuel 2.30. It is all about him and he places his purpose and in those he calls and his honor. So it's about him. It's not about me taking on, oh, he knew me, but he did know me because he put his purpose, his value, his honor in me in the womb. So let's go to verse 6. He says, it is too small a thing that you should be my servant and restore the tribes of Jacob, but also be a light for the nation that you may bring my salvation to the ends of the earth. <laughs> so when I read this the first time, I said, too small a thing? At this time, the Israelites were still in Babylon under captivity. 
And they were not in a good place of honoring and following the Lord. So when he says, it's not so small a thing that I'm going to use you to bring back the tribes of Jacob, in my mind, that is a very big task. (laughs) That's a very big thing. But he says that it's not too small a thing. I am also going to use you to bring a light to the nations. Your destiny and purpose with the Lord is bigger than you could imagine. If this is stirring in you again, this seeming of self-centeredness or feeling of who am I, it's not about you. If he has placed the purpose and honor and his value in you when you were still in the womb, when you literally had nothing to offer him, and he placed it there, then it is not about Amy's legacy. My God has done incredible things. So if I am not my own, but I am fully a tool, an arrow, if you look back in verse 2, for him, then who am I to say, not me, in a place of humility, or I am not worthy, if I call myself a tool in the hands of a creator who put purpose in me when I had nothing to offer. Verse 11 says, I will make my mountains a road and my highways will be raised. He will make the way. He will ask you to move and to participate, but he is in charge of making the way and the results. This takes off the pressure. I am not called to succeed, but to participate. Thus, I no longer need to fear failure. What I see as failure, he uses or may have accomplished what he had in mind all along through me. I want to say that again. I am not called to succeed. I am called to participate. This morning, I am not called to change hearts. I am called to participate in what he has shared in my heart, and I get to share. He gets to do what he will from that. So if I do not have to fear failure, how free am I then to walk in those new spaces without fear? So there was a teacher one time who was in Europe, and he they felt, him and his team felt on their team, on their heart, a uh, desire to do this conference. And this conference was going to be a big outdoor conference in the park. They were getting really excited about it. And they got these vendors that would pay money so that they could be in this big outdoor park. And so the day came. They had all these vendors set up. They're ready. They're excited. No one came. Time is going by. No one is coming. Vendors are getting frustrated at this point because they paid to be there with the promise that they had to have people coming in to see their booth. But no one came. And so at one point, there was one man who came over and started asking questions about what's happening here. And the teacher started talking to him. And the teacher, and and as they're talking, this man actually comes to know the Lord 
a full surrender to the Lord and shares the bomb he has strapped on his chest where he was going to a big public place to end his life and has switched his whole whole plan, right? Because he has come to know the Lord. No one else came that day, you guys, to this big conference. No one. From the outside world, this was a failure, a failure of funds, of time, of money, right? But this man was the purpose. It was not a failure in the, in the eyes of the Lord. But we don't always get to see the man, do we? We often don't get to see the man. We have no idea our impact. We're called to participate. And thus, if I do not have to fear failure, I just get to participate and learn and grow and continue to walk in the places that he brings me. He is in charge of making the highways. He is in charge of making the path. I get to move and participate. So verse 16 I will not forget you. See, I have engraved you on the palm of my hand. Permanence. We can do nothing to erase our identity. Nothing. Before I was born, it was placed in me. I am engraved on his hand. Wendy Backland, uh, her and her husband are speakers, and she shares a story about um, a few years back when the Lord started spurring in her to write, to be a writer, to write something. And she was getting these words from other people, I think you're supposed to write a book. And so she's like, I don't know, I don't know. But she started doing declarations over herself then of saying, okay, I'm writing this book. I'm going to write this book. I'm writing this book. I'm, I'm writing these things. And nothing was changing. No doors were opening. She was still feeling that uneasiness. So she asked the Lord, what's this about, Lord? I don't, I'm not feeling any different. What are you teaching me? And he said, Wendy, I want you to change your declarations to not being an action declaration, but an identity declaration. I want you to start calling yourself an author and she said, Ooh, Lord, that feels like lying. <laughs> I've never actually produced anything. And the Lord told her that if you do not uh, publish anything on this side of your life, in your lifetime, in heaven, you are still known as an author. <laughs> I was like, what? What? We can do nothing to erase our identity. He's in it for the long haul. We have not missed our window. Right? We have not done something to ruin it. I didn't take the wrong path, and so it's all gone. It is permanent. It is written in my DNA. It's in it for the long haul. I can do nothing. It's just, that encourages me. So what I have a choice now is I can either walk in it and see it quicker because I believe that now about who I can be or I can wait. And he's okay with that too. But I have an opportunity to start pursuing the things that are already in me. 
And in, if you want to look, Romans eleven twenty nine is where it talks about God's gifts and calling is, are irrevocable. They're irrevocable. So verse 22 says, they will bring your sons in their bosom and your daughters carried on their shoulder. So what this means is that they are the Babylonians. So the Lord has already spoken to Isaiah that he is going to use him and he's going to show him how he's bringing back Jacob, the tribes of Jacob. So now in verse 22, he's talking about how he's going to do it. They is the Babylonians. So he is using the Babylonians themselves to return the Israelites. They will bring your sons back in their bosom. They will bring your daughters carried on their shoulders. He will do the work. We just get to walk through the path he prepared. Our eyes need to be on the promised land and not the obstacles in front of us or all around us. That is very timely right now. It is heavy. We can feel it. We can't, uh, we can't actually just ignore obstacles. They're right here, right? But our eyes need to be on the promised land, not the waves of the Red Sea. When we focus on the obstacles, we get stuck in fear. Yeah? We get stuck in fear. And, and, um, but he often uses the obstacles and even the plans of the enemy to work his plan. When the Israelites saw the Babylonians as the oppressors and the obstacle to overcome, the Lord saw them as the ride home. I'm going to say that again. When the Israelites saw the Babylonians as the oppressor and the obstacle to overcome, the Lord saw them as their ride home. So, and another example is when Moses and the Israelites saw the Egyptian and the Pharaoh as the biggest mountain, right? The Lord saw it as his way to show his crazy glory and power. Their no and no and no felt like, okay, Lord, did I mishear you? Are you not coming through? You said you were going to come through. He saw it as a way to build up and show his glory and his power. And when they did leave, you guys, they left with the Egyptians' prized possessions. Not just get out of here, take the clothes on your back. Here, take my gold, my silver, my ornate clothing. They walked away in honor. Right? When we see an obstacle, when we come up against it, instead of freezing in fear or hiding, right, or just trying to avoid it, instead we can say, Lord, what are you doing here? And how are you going to use this for my good and your purposes through me? So in verse 23, we see, those whose hope in me will not be disappointed. 
So it's time to start dreaming. And when I was going through these notes, I was thinking about how, oh, Lord, is this a good time to tell them to start (laughs) dreaming? And he said, yeah, it is, because it's time for them to have a place to look and not the obstacles. Right? Look at when Moses, before they were going to go through, it looked dire, and they needed a place to look when they were going to cross the Red Sea, when they were going to go to Jericho. We need a place to look and see so we have a place for our eyes to focus on in him, not the obstacle. And what a perfect time. He's made you stop. (laughs) Right? He's made you stop. This has made you stop, right? You're stopping. So it's it's a great time to not just tune out like our temptation is to do, right? I can't handle this, so I just want to tune out in this spot. But it's a time to actually say, what am I doing with my life and what has he given me, spoken to me before that I've let get cobwebs on because it's too late. I've already gone down this path of of education that takes way too much money. I don't have the skill set to do that. But what are some of the crazy dreams the Lord has placed in your heart or is starting to place? What are the interesting skill sets that he's been, that he's already put in you? This isn't about striving for new things. This is about asking him, what is the things he's already placed when you were in the womb? We have no idea our impact It's not about what others say is a big dream, but are you willing to bring yourself into discomfort to have his legacy and his glory made big? I am convinced that the biggest culprit of Christians not having radical impact in this time is that they are so busy trying to fix their past or live in shame and striving rather than to become what, they have, what, has, what he has already placed. Our job is to not, learn, not to learn how to die, but to live a resurrected life, which brings the maturity that we think we're trying to attain by fixing, fixing, fixing. And then we get stuck because we can't fix anymore. And we're heavy with fear, with shame of who am I? What if I can't? What does this mean about me as a failure? What if I fail? And so we get stuck. We either get so tired that we walk away from the Lord because I can't live up to his standard, right? Or we stay in our comfort little box because I'm not going to try something new, right? That's what I wrestled with this week. What if I fail at this new thing? What if they find out that I'm a fraud? So I'm going to stay in this little box where everyone says, good job, Amy. This is safe. Right? But our job is not to learn how to die, not to learn how to stay safe, not to learn how to make sure that everyone gives us an A+. Our job is to participate and live the resurrected life, joy and hope and peace that is in us. Walking, that he celebrates me as a daughter. As a daughter, not a worker, that he's evaluating my jobs. 
He's not celebrating perfection. He is celebrating progress. He is excited about my new journeys. He's so excited that I would try this new thing even though I'm scared today, right? Whether it was good or not or I screwed up my words, he celebrates me because he's my dad. And I get to then walk in who he's already made me to be. He's not surprised or disappointed. He asks me to walk, and he is going to show up and do the work. He's going to make the paths. He's going to bring the testimony. I don't have to be afraid. And I don't even have to be afraid when I do stumble. It doesn't surprise him. So what are the visions? What are the specialties, the dream the Lord has for you? Write them down, even if they seem crazy. What's that thing when you were in high school or the first time you started knowing the Lord that you're like, oh, what if I could do that? But has grown dust because the world got in the way. Bill's got in the way. I had kids. I have all these responsibilities. What are some of those things? Because he's going to have you start living them out now, Right? It's not necessarily, it doesn't have to be a specific vision of I will be in such and such city doing such and such, right? He may give you a clear picture like that, but it may be more like author, business owner, freedom bringer, teacher, healer, speaker, love bringer. What are the things that I don't believe about myself? It's probably the thing that's already there. That's probably the spot that he's actually already spoken. Now is the time for love, not just obedience. Do not hear in this message that you're not following what the Lord already gave you. You're not being obedient. Here's another 10 steps to be obedient. It's a time for love. Knowing who I am, whose I am, and in love, wanting all he has set before me and to be a part of his purpose. It's a love for God's ways more than my ways because my ways are usually just because I'm scared and I want to be comfortable anyway, right? Love makes the Lord relevant to the world in such a time as this. They don't need our how to be better they need to see that we know who we are, that we have weaknesses, that we don't always follow through. We stumble, but we know who we are. And from there, our hope overflows. Love is going to make the Lord relevant in a time that we are in. And here's our practice ground, because this is temporary right? This virus will make its way through. Our economy will make it back. Now is the time to start practicing in a place that people are willing to hear and see. They've paused. They're looking. Love will make the Lord relevant in a time like this, that they will carry on beyond this virus. So during this worship song, let the Lord, your Father, your Father, and if you've never been able to say that before to him, whether you've known him or you don't know him or you have known him but not in a personal way to say, my Father, my Dad, start there. 
in this worship song. Test out those words. If you've never known Jesus and you're watching this right now, ask him, ask him what he sees in you. Let him speak to you. It is not too late. It is not too late for you if you've never called him father before. And it is not too late for you if you have and you've let dreams get cobwebs and dust. The time is now. The time is now. He is stirring in your heart right now. I, can, I, I know that he is stirring in some of your hearts that have never been able to call him father before. Today, you can be adopted as a son or a daughter of the one who is constant above the so many unknowns right now. It's time to ask, Father, speak truth over me about who you are and then from that, who you say I am. Not only for today, but for pictures of where you have for me and your purposes for my tomorrow. For your good and your glory that you have chosen me to be a part of.